Good morning. It is Friday morning, guys. So welcome, Nunez. I appreciate you listening to the None of Your Business podcast. Hopefully somebody somewhere out there is getting value out of this, getting inspired, you know, realizing that you can come over any obstacle in life. So if you haven't already, please follow me. Follow me on Instagram. Subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend. Share it with a loved one. Share it to a stranger. Fuck it. Whatever. Meet a new friend. Might be the best decision of your life. Just saying. Uh, so, you know, I kind of came across something super cool. Um, it's on eventbrite.com. And um, my new friend, Christy, she uh, she's the one that's kind of running this thing. So it's going to be the first annual Girl Gang Day. Uh, it's going to be the March 30th, 2019. Uh, the doors open at 8 a.m., and it starts at 8.30. And, you know, you can find it on eventbrite.com. Search Girl Gang Day in New York City. Uh, you know, the link to the the link to this will be in my description um, on Spotify and Google Play. And it's already on Instagram. I kind of posted it last night a little bit. So, you know, if you want to kick off your Saturday morning then and you're a female, then this is going to be it. So a little bit about this day, you gotta come. You have to come prepared to move your body and connect with other badass lady bosses and get inspired by top phenomenal speakers and influence influencers in health and wellness. You know they ask that you please bring your yoga mat and towel and that beautiful smile of yours. You know, uh, and they're super cool. You know, healthy snacks and water will be be provided. And you'll walk away with a fabulous swag bag. Like, honestly, if I was a female, I'd check this out. So a little bit about uh, their partners. They partner with Atlanta Athletica. And they're kind of like the world's first social impact active wear brand for this event. You know, as your guest, as their guest, I should say, a portion of your ticket price will be donated to their mission of aiding female survivors abuse in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, fuck. And you will have an opportunity to send them messages of support if you write a letter of empowerment to this community. And you will be gifted a free pair of leggings. Man, why can't it be... A little bit more social acceptable for guys to wear leggings. Just saying. You know? And, you know, those will be... Uh, you'll get the free pair of le- leggings by Alana Athletica. So, you know, if you're in New York, if you're not in New York, I fucking urge you, or beg you, to go check out this event. You know, there's going to be some amazing women out there and... Is going to a good cause, so you can have a kick-ass day, help someone, and fuck, get some spiritual shit in you. So, whatever. Um, it, that's uh, fuck. the more I keep looking on this website, it like I just get in so inspired. It's like, oh man, like this is so awesome. Like, I just want to hop on a plane now and go. So, but. Unfortunately, um, I'm not a girl. I don't know if they kicked me out if I was a guy or not, but it only says ladies, so guys, don't go. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but tell your girlfriends about it. So again, the description, the link to this will be in my description, I mean. Uh, and you can find it on my Instagram. You can find it on Christy Dada's Instagram also. So, you know, check her out, follow her, send her some love. Um, but, uh, you know, now, um, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the None of Your Business podcast. So, it is Friday morning. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, me and Liz met. Well, I've known her for years. Um, but, you know, we met, we sat down, and we talked. And, you know, having this connection um, during this interview process with Liz, I, you know, I learned a lot about her. And, I, you know, I've known her for years. And I still didn't know some things that happened and knew about her, and knew what she was doing, like, I knew, like, the big parts, that's why I wanted her on the show, but, you know, it was really cool to, you know, sit there and connect, and learn more about my friend, so, Liz has struggled through a bunch, and she just keeps up and going, she just settles up and rides, that's what she does, and she talks a lot about that, um, and what it means more to her on that, and so I hope you guys enjoy as much as I did, um, and I just want to apologize a little bit, I don't know, I'm assuming the, you know, one of the cats got on the way and unplugged one of the microphones, so a little bit into the interview, you'll, you'll hear a little bit of a sound difference, um, but I still thought that, you know, the quality was good enough that we didn't have to re-record, and, uh, I hope you guys you know, get something out of it, and please, um, share it on Facebook, share it on Instagram, like me, like her on Instagram, um, and share it on Spotify, or share it off Spotify, do whatever you guys want, much love. So, I'm sitting here with Liz Sampson. Liz, welcome. Thank you. So, Liz, what do you do? Who are you? That's a loaded question. Yeah? <laughs> um, I am unemployed by choice right now. I'm going to massage therapy school in Missoula and learning to pack livestock and spend a lot of time with my horses. and. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm weirdly unemployed right now. This is the first time I've been unemployed in many, many years. Well, that's all right. That's all right. It was like, it was like to be unemployed and to kind of say, all right, I'm going to jump into this was a leap. Yeah, so why did you choose massage therapy? You know, it was something that I've always wanted to do. But I've always, like, I had this mentality that, like, I have to have this really intense job and I need to use my education and I need to, like, 
help people in this really front lines kind of way where in reality it was really there was a lot of secondary trauma and I wasn't I hadn't given myself enough time to get over my own trauma and so everything was just like it was just a catalyst upon catalyst upon catalyst and I all this stuff happened this year and I said screw it I've always wanted to do this and I'm gonna go do it and it's a still a field that can be compassionate and giving and I can also work for myself. <laughs> yeah. I can I can be on the road and live a little bit like a gypsy and go to horse shows and shoots and still work as a massage therapist. Yeah. Yeah, I man, when I was like seventh grade I thought I wanted to be a massage therapist. And then uh I wasn't comfortable coming out of the closet yet. Mm-hmm. And I got like this uh information kit from a place down in Utah and like every guy on there was gay and I like threw that shit away. <laughs> I was like, nope, not nope, doing it. Not yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, and like massage, you can go in so many different directions. Like you could do just sports massage. You could only work on athletes or you can only work on elderly or you can just give relaxing massage. Like there's so many different things that you can do with it and you can specialize in so many areas. Yeah. I didn't realize how medical it could be. Which is, I yeah. You're talking earlier about your A and P classes. Like, it's that just blows my mind. <laughs> I have never studied the skeleton and like muscles and joint, like all this stuff so much. Like my education has been very just a lot of soft science. I took some A and P just of like the brain and the nervous system, mm-hmm. but never whole body. You're gonna learn all the bones today. Right. And it's an intensive program too, so I'm done in six months. And so my A&P class is five hours, and then March it turns into nine hours. A week? A day. It's a, it's a Wednesday class, and so we're in class eight to, let's see, eight to noon, or eight to one, yeah, eight to one. And then in March we'll be back in class two to six. Wow. Two, so yeah, it's... It's a lot. But you're still doing it. Like, still doing it. The years I'm learning. You, like you're always going to school or working a bunch and like just going through, just killing it in life. So uh, a little bit ago you discussed that you know, you've been like in the field of like helping people or wanting to help people. Like what have you done in that realm? Um, well, I, I don't know. I have kind of an odd work background, career background, I guess. But prior I was at the... YWCA as a case manager and advocate. Okay. And then previous to that, with a little stint at the Humane Society, I was a social work intern for the Public Defender's Office. And that really opened my eyes. Like it was just to get in and I didn't, like my job was not to even care about what the charges were being brought against, but it was, do you have a home? Do you Mm -hmm. live on the streets? Do you get somewhere to shower? Like, do you have an ID? Can you get a job because you don't have your social security card? Just some of those really basic things that people, like you can't get through, like you, you need some advocacy. And I, when I was in high school, I had some, my parents and I had a couple teachers that advocated pretty hard for me. And so I was like, plus compassion is something that I hugely value. And so, yeah, it was, and then and at the Y, I got to kind of be like a sideline cheerleader basically an advocate for women who were 
kind of defying all odds. I mean, we took on some really tough cases and it was so cool to watch these women just like flourish into these amazing people and like really discover like, hey, I'm okay and I have a lot to give to the world. Like, I don't know, like sometimes people are like, oh, you know, so-and-so is a lost cause or something. It's like, no, no one is a lost cause. Like, there's no way. People, like beings, I don't know, I have the same mentality with animals and horses and stuff. Like, they're not, a, there's no lost cause. Everyone's just on a different timeline. Exactly. Like, somebody might have not, just not been loved the right way or somebody mm-hmm. just, like, had a rough upbringing or they have a disease or whatever. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, I... I'm around people on a daily basis that have gone through something or like used to be a terrible person or used to do this or, mm-hmm. and now they're not today. And like, that's. Yeah. And so much of that is just like processing some of those demons and figuring out like, oh, I'm okay. And I can value myself for who I am and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, which is cool. And it's like, I think we, especially in those kind of fields and like some of the surrounding fields, we, like take on clients or we approach like a situation with such an agenda like if you approach a horse with your own agenda you're probably not going to get much done because you're on the horse's time right like okay yeah (laughs) you you have to you have to acknowledge and accept that your agenda and your timeline probably doesn't matter (laughs) like and you have to realize that with yourself too yeah like you can't wake up one day and like i'm gonna run on Marathon tomorrow. You, you, you can't. I mean, I guess you could, but you'd be hurting at the end of the Yeah, if you haven't trained for a marathon, you're definitely going to be hurting. And people that my friends have run marathons, they they hurt after them. Yeah, it's, but they're prepared for the hurt. Yes. And they, they're prepared, like, I don't know. We just, I feel like we don't. In that field, we don't give people enough forgiveness, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we don't give ourselves enough forgiveness either. Like, we are so hard on ourselves, it's insane. Yes. Like, all of that, like, internal talk that, like, I don't know, you're out doing something and you drop your hammer or something. God, Liz, you're so stupid. You wouldn't say that to anyone else. You sure would not say that to your kids or something. Right. And, like, I didn't think of it that way until someone said, well, would you would you say those things that you're, like, when people joke about themselves? Would you say that about so-and-so's little kid? Well, no. Well, quit saying it to yourself. Right? The other day, I was telling somebody, um, like, how codependent I am. I'm like, I'm just a hot mess. I'm just like, do you ever, like, give yourself a self-affirmation in the morning? Like, telling yourself that you are, like, independent and you're a good person and stuff like this. And it just, like, totally blew my mind. Like, Mm -hmm. I never tell myself positive things. And... Like, I'll tell somebody else positive things all day long, but when it comes to myself, like, I always think, like, I'm not good enough, I fucked up, like, I'm just this piece of shit. Yeah. And, uh, especially when I, like, mess up something, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I fucking suck, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah, like, I, I shouldn't be here, I, I don't I used to always think, like, I don't have the qualifications to be here, especially, like, I had the privilege to sit on, um, family treatment court. Oh, yeah? With, uh, Judge Reynolds, which was awesome. And I'm a huge fan of Judge Reynolds. Like, I just, I just adore him. I think he's incredibly intelligent and really open to debate and listening. And I don't know. I just think he's a cool guy. Um, but I, I would show up to treatment court for staffing and in court and stuff. And I'm like, I'm how much younger than all of these people in the room? And 
just not feeling like I should be there. Like, I was like, I don't have enough experience. I don't, like, yeah, I have an education, but I'm only, I think when I started treatment court, I was 24, 25. Okay. And it was like, why am I here? Like, half of, pretty much all of my clients are older than me. Why, like, and after a while, it was like, I think kind of the turning point, Judge Reynolds asked for my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I have weight in this room, and I have something to, I have stuff to bring forward. Like, I have value in this team and stuff. And it was kind of a big, I don't know, it was cool. Yeah. But I wasn't, and that's the thing, is I wasn't giving myself enough credit, because I was like, I'm the youngest person here. That's always my biggest. Right. 26 now, but... I get it. I well, I understand what you mean. So when the judge like valued your opinion, like what did that do for you? Oh my god! I all of a sudden I it, like it made me step back. Like, oh, judge wants to hear what I'm saying. Like, he wants my input on this because he views me as someone that's bringing something positive to the table. And if like Judge Reynolds can see that, and the other team members can see that, why am I not seeing that myself? And it was kind of like I had to take a step back and kind of work some stuff through in my head. Like, no, I I can value myself for these things, too. Like, while my value doesn't come from Judge Reynolds asking my opinion or something like that, it definitely made me step back and go, oh, I need to, I need to readdress some things there. Yeah, I bring value... Yeah. I can sit at the big boys' table. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I should be here. I have Or big girls' table. And, yeah. Yeah, big girls' table. <laughs> but, yeah, it was cool. It was it was kind of one of those really small moments where you're like, oh, that was probably minute to everyone in this room, but to me it was, holy shit. Yeah. Sorry, can I say shit? Yeah, you All can right. cast whatever you want. <laughs> It is very advertised as explicit content, so... Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're in good company. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever actually heard you curse. Fuck was my first word. Oh, wow. It's well, probably going to be my last. Well, fucking yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't... I mean, limit it to... Yeah. No, I just... Uh, <laughs> I probably have known you since I was, what, like 17, and I don't... I think I've ever heard you curse. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely one of my downfalls. Like, it's something that I try and work on. Well, the times around me, I don't think it... I only see you around your family half the time. So... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to offend anyone. Have you met my family? Well, I'm usually around your grandma, and I don't want to... Okay, fair enough. Them. Like, yeah. I mean, I can I can change my language to accommodate within a re- within reason. Yeah, I don't want to cast that grandma's house. I get that. Yeah. I try not to. Not all the time, but sometimes she makes me cuss, but I still love her, so. Uh, so, you were in social work, like, what, like, gravitated you to that career? Like, why? Like, I, gosh, I started college studying psychology, because I think it's fascinating. Just, like, the brain and, like, why people do what they do and what drives people and, and animals, too. Like, I'm... I know this comes as a big shock. I'm a big animal person. Really? I know, shocking. Wow. I know, there's two cats on the, well, there's one cat now on the <laughs> right? couch. <laughs> but I always, like, I studied psychology and kind of got interested in, I saw this documentary about, um, in Colorado in the prison system, there's a Mustang program where they take Mustangs in and the 
inmates learn to train the horses and, and get them tamed within Mustang, I don't know. And they learn to shoe and take care of them and, and ride and do all these things and it's so life changing. Like I've seen the impact horses have had on my life. I mean they have straight up saved my life, They're my whole world. Mm-hmm. And I always thought like, man, horses did this for me. Like, and they continue to do this for me. There's got to be a way to share it with someone. Like, this this has to have an impact on other people. And so I kind of fell into, like, not fell into, but, like, I got really interested in equine-assisted psychotherapy. And there's a, there's programs all across the U.S. that help. There's a lot of veteran programs with uh, horses. And um, I kind of thought my route into the equine assisted was to be a therapist and so I wanted to be a therapist. I transferred to Carroll and studied psychology and anthrozoology and loved it. It was not the easiest <laughs> trip through college but I made it and I well, I wanted to be a therapist and then I worked the internship at the public defender's office and met with quite a few master's programs and realized oh shit I don't want to be a therapist. <laughs> Oh my god, what am I going to do? <laughs> and so I, but the public defenders um, got me super interested. I've always been interested in crime, like really good true crime. I don't like scary movies, I don't like any of that stuff, but give me a good true crime documentary, I am all over that. Gruesome, perfect. <laughs> kind of scary, perfect. That's what you like. Scary right. ghost movie, screw that. But I've always, I don't know, I've always been interested in crime, and I saw this population that like, they're so underrepresented and they're so misunderstood and there's so many reasons why people commit crime. It's like, I wanna, I, it's interesting and I get to meet all these cool people and advocate for people and then that's what I wanna do. And then I didn't wanna be a therapist. That's all right. I <laughs> and now I don't even wanna do it. I don't know, I, I'm sure once, maybe once I'm older I might wanna get back into it or something. but. All right, like, I'm not ready to settle. I change my mind every three months on what I want to do. So. I think that's like, I think when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you want to do and like how you want to contribute to the world, I, exploring, like dabbling in all kinds of stuff, I corner people all the time. Like that sounds kind of aggressive, but if what someone- What do you mean by that? Well, like if someone, especially when I was in college, um, someone had a job that I thought was interesting or they were working on a project or they did something that I wanted to know more about, I would not harass them, but I would say, hey, I want to take you out for coffee. I want to take you out for lunch and just, I want to just pick your brain. Um, I just want to know what, like, I talked to a lot of therapists and a lot of different programs like, hey, what what did you do for your education? Where did you go? Did you do it online? Did you do it in person? why did you choose LCSW over LCPC? And I just, I kind of just corner people and pick their brains because there's so much information out there. I, and I'm more of a face-to-face person anyway. Mm-hmm. I would just kind of, like I would show up at different programs and like, I want to know more about this. And like, I went to a couple conferences and I hoarded, oh, hoarded yeah, okay. um, business cards and email people and just networking yeah just getting to know people I'm just like hey what do you do do you like it what would you do different in in your path like what what did you like about your path and I don't know 
and most of the time people are a really excited to meet with you and talk about their path and their you know people love talking about that shit. Yeah. And so they, they do. <laughs> and it's like I think it kind of becomes especially people in, in business and in different professions when when they feel like, oh, someone's coming to me because they want to hear more about my path. Like, I think it's kind of a little bit of a boost, too. Like, oh, I, I again, I have something to bring to the table that other people see that, oh, you know, so-and-so is this great therapist and they want to know how I did it. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm really good at cornering people. <laughs> Just to like, hey, I want to drive up to Chinook today. <laughs> I want to meet with you. Just bam, <laughs> I love it. Jeez. Man. I would be, I'm a terrible salesman. Really? Terrible. I could not sell peanuts to an elephant, but I would, like, I just want to corner people and just take in all of their information. I just want to learn. Well, maybe you could corner someone and sell them a minivan. No. No? No, no. not at all. <laughs> when money gets involved, then I kind of clam up and go, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> that was my hardest when I was doing development with the Humane Society. That... That was kind of a learning curve to ask people for money and, and which it was easier with me society because hey support this great cause everyone loves the animals and support this mm -hmm. that was a lot easier i ran for miss montana literally just out of boredom yeah it's like i'm gonna do this and it was like i want to do something that's out of my comfort zone that was so far out of my comfort zone it was insane it was but trying to like gain my sponsorships it was selling myself it was going to a business and saying, hey, I am going to this Miss Montana pageant, and this is not what I usually do, and this is why I'm doing it, and this is who I am. Please support me. And did you have a lot of rejection when you asked for sponsorships? Not really. I had one rejection out of business that honestly didn't really surprise me, unfortunately. But most people were like, hey, this is awesome. This is like a real person doing something. Um... And I, most of my sponsorship donations were less than 50 bucks, which was really cool. That like so many people, there was a huge amount of donations and most of them small. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty cool that so many people were like, yeah, I'll give 20 bucks or 30 bucks. And yeah. Cat yeah. Rental of all places, <laughs> they were my biggest sponsor. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I showed up in like a sundress and was like, hey, I want to talk to you about Santana. <laughs> Just like yeah, here. Yeah. Oh, cool. But there's yeah, putting yourself out there is a little scary. It is. It is. Uh, the when I first when I uploaded my first podcast episode, I was sitting at McDonald's just using my Wi-Fi, having a cup of coffee, and I was like, I'm gonna upload it. And the second I saw that upload button, it's like AOL connection came back, <laughs> and like the percentage to go from zero to a hundred, it seemed like it took twenty minutes. And I was in so much anxiety and, and fear that I just had to drive back to my house and I was glued to my bed for like two hours. <laughs> it's exhausting to put yourself out there with the possibility that you, you might get rejected and you might fail and it might completely blow up in your face or it could be awesome and you could learn a bunch and you could, you know, find a lot of value in it or learn something really cool or make somewhere to connect, like, yeah. Besides, it's a risk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, life is always kind of a risk. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you're not taking risks and, like, enjoying yourself and trying new things, then what's the point? Yeah. I, I spent some time, like, when I first started having seizures, 
I like fell into this like really deep hole and I stopped doing everything partly because I was scared to do anything mm-hmm. partly because it's like it just consumed me and it was like why am I I wasn't writing I wasn't doing anything and it was just like what am I like yeah I could have a seizure tomorrow and get in a terrible wreck or I could not and Keep on keeping on. Just keep on keeping on. Like it either it's it might happen or it might not happen and you're yeah. still gonna continue continue your life. How old were you when you first had your first seizure? I was sixteen, I think. It was March of my junior year of high school. So that would have been two thousand eleven. No, two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. March of two thousand ten. And you're, you, yeah, you're 26, I'm 25, so I would, yeah, that makes sense. So it's been, it's, it's been, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah? <laughs> oh, what do you mean by that? Well, I started having seizures and like right out the gate, I was having typically five to seven seizure days a week, and that was one to three seizures a day. And they're big old grandma, fish out of water breaking jewelry kind of kind of seizures and plus they didn't have a diagnosis for me for the first gosh at least a year and a half and so that was frustrating too yeah like I would get carted to the emergency room all the time and I was not try to choose my words wisely <laughs> I was accused of faking seizures and drug seeking and basically just being a dramatic teenage girl. What? And in reality, I'm having these seizures and all of these all of these things that are happening and it would yeah, it was it was tough. And on top of it, high school is hard and it sucks. Yes. And I was not like a real confident person anyway. And then I went from being kind of, not a nobody, but I mean, I had a lot of friends and a lot of great people, but real quickly, I became the seizure girl. Like, that was my identity. That's, everyone knew me, everyone knew about me. You have a seizure, and I like to wear cute clothes, especially in high school and stuff, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear a skirt to school, and I'm gonna flash the whole freaking class. And that's a real dandy on yeah. <laughs> confidence. But yeah. after a while, like, anymore, it's just like, I don't know, wear clean underwear and a sports bar every day. I might flash someone today, and so what? I don't have anything special. So. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I stopped driving a lot of the time and, like, juggling doctors and just being a high school student, and it, yeah. So, what were some things that, like, helped you, like, get through those moments? Like, if there's somebody out there who's, like, going through something similar, like, is there anything you could share with them? Um, hindsight, I wish I would have been more stubborn about my identity. Like, to not lose yourself in all of that chaos. Like, I definitely lost, just, and plus I had so much depression and anxiety already, and then it just, the seizures were like this huge catalyst. But it was kind of, I had a really supportive family. Um, and it was actually really interesting, because it was, I started having seizures after my, my parents were divorced. And they, I mean, it wasn't a negative divorce. They didn't say bad things about each other. Like, as far as divorces go, it was pretty low-key. Yeah. It sucked, but it The best way a divorce could possibly go. Yeah, like, it was It was not a horrible thing to live through. Um, it and was that's, a successful, 
successfully completed marriage? Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, and that was my experience. That wasn't everybody else's experience with the divorce. Yeah, um, yeah totally. And I had other things that were going on in my world that I wasn't really talking to anyone about either, so I was more focused on that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but I had a really supportive family and both my parents would always come in the emergency room. They were both supportive. They were definitely a united front. Um, and I had a lot of really close friends too that were um, just like, oh, she's having a seizure again. We're not gonna make a big deal out of this because it's pain in the butt. And not, I wasn't a pain in the butt, but when the people situation. freak out, yeah, yeah, it gets more escalated than it needs to be. And so I was really lucky to have a lot of really good supportive people in my corner. Um, and I had the privilege to be able to go to the hospital and to go to doc- different doctors and stuff. And the <laughs> diagnosis actually came from my cousin Kelly. She was a um, she was working on her master's or PhD. I'm not sure which one for school psychology. And she came forward and was like, "Hey, I think this is what's going on." Like, and it's um, it's kind of a rare thing, but it's it's probably not as rare as people think it is. But um, I was just really lucky for her to be in that right position, like going yeah, through her education. Totally. And I also had, I still have a wonderful therapist, which, um, I don't know, I'm really open about going to therapy because I've been in therapy for a while, on and yeah. off. And I had a wonderful therapist who was, I didn't really get much done because I wasn't willing to take that step inward at the time. but. She got my head screwed on, and she really was a constant for me, and that was a big, that was a big help. Yeah, I don't know why people always have, like, this negative stigma. Well, I guess I, I understand why there's a negative stigma on therapy. That's one reason why I was like, I'm not going to therapy, and starting in 2019, I need to do something different about my codependent issue, mm-hmm. and therapy has helped me with that, and, like, has just blown my mind and expanded my, mm-hmm. like, options, and I'm just doing a lot better mentally and probably physically with like going to therapy and like if I just I don't know where that negative stigma comes from I don't like I mental health is always in my family like there was never any shame to which is really a privilege that I had was that hey I'm depressed I need help with this and my parents were more than willing to they didn't ever accuse me of oh you're being dramatic or oh just cheer up or whatever like they were pretty supportive in, in, and they had health insurance too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was pretty lucky to be able to go to therapy, and it's been such a huge part of my life because I've I've had my battles for sure, and for me at least, therapy has been the number one. What therapy is also a two way street because I've been in therapy for a long time, on and off, and I didn't actually start making improvements until I put my best foot forward in therapy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a two-way street. It's it's a relationship yeah. that you need to contribute to. You can't just go to your therapist and expect to be cured, whatever. It's not how that works. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I I get that. Like my first therapy session, she was like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. You fix me. I have no idea. Like, <laughs> Fix me, almighty fixer. Yeah. Like, thinking that, like, one session I'm going to be fixed. And, like, it just it wasn't like that at all. It's, yeah. like, building this trust and building that relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, now, like... You know, I trust her. Like, she, she's a huge supporter, of which I've only been seeing her for, like, two months. But she's still just a huge supporter. It's nice to, like, 
throw someone on my shit mm-hmm. and like find a solution and talk about it and like navigate and well and to have like this outside person say hey I hear you talking about this a lot or when you talk about this situation or this person you like for me I everything is out on the table all the time which is obnoxious sometimes I'm a terrible liar but <laughs> my maybe that's a good quality but my chest will like flare up and I get hives and I get real red when I get real anxious or something's bothering me and it's like my therapist um, would be like you know when you talk about this person or this situation you get real red and you you get real tense and it's helpful to have this outside person to make these observations so then you learn what what's going on and then you can go oh now I have the self-awareness to go oh when I talk about this or when I'm in this situation my body like I hold all my stress in my shoulders and I real tense well now through working with therapy I can recognize that mm-hmm. I also had to listen to my therapist too <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, so I I have a couple mentors in my life and one mentor that I'm working with right now uh, I was telling them like parts of my life story and when I was like trying to like make myself sound really cool mm-hmm. he just was like no like you know, your shoulders go up and your jaw, like, gets tighter and you're, like, you can tell that you're fucking lying to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, thank you for calling me on my bullshit because I need to tell you what's going on. I'm not trying to sound cool to this process. And I was, like, blown away. Mm-hmm. Like, within a 30-minute conversation, he knew that I was fucking trying to lie to him to make me sound cooler. Yeah. Like, what? Um, and, like, having those, having mentors in my life, like, especially in my spiritual way of life, like, through the and then I have a, I had a mentor for the gym. I got a couple of mentors through business. Another guy's helping me like navigate this podcast and stuff. Like, do you have anyone that you look up to or like have been mentored from? Yeah. Um, well, I've, I feel like I've been living under a rock for a while because it was college and then family stuff and all that stuff. But, um, my grandpa was a big mentor of mine. Um, just in being supportive, but also I learned so much from him. He was such an incredible man. And my dad, too. He was, we, we spent some time post-divorce not really liking each other. We didn't actually talk for a while. We had a really bad relationship. Part of that was, like, we are just alike. And once I got into college and, I don't know, we moved past our bullshit and we got to be really close. And so he was a huge part of my life, a huge mentor of mine. And when I, Lois Steinbeck, um... <laughs> I adore her. She owns the barn where I board my horses. And I, growing up, I was in this horse program, and I I say that very loosely, um, because it was, it got me on horses, but it was not a very positive place to to be. Um, And I got in a situation, I was in, I think I was a freshman in high school. No, I was, yeah, I was a freshman in high school. And I can, I remember it clear as day. I was in Taco John's with my parents crying, like, I gotta get out of this situation. And I called her on the phone and I said, Lois, I need help. And the next weekend I had some friends and my dad and we hauled all my horses and my hay and everything out to her house. And she she had already taken me in under her wing. Um, she was teaching me, I was riding with her a lot and she just like, I needed to get out of, out of a situation. She took me in, no questions asked. and. She's been a big mentor. She's also, she's just like a really tough, badass, just smart woman who's always, she's cowboy, she's been a 
um, truck driver. She's showed a lot of horses. She worked as she worked for the legislature doing budget stuff. I don't actually know what her job was to be honest. It was like way above <laughs> way above my head. Yeah. <laughs> but she's always been like a big mentor and inspiration to me because she like I really value strong just like strong-willed women especially mm-hmm. they're just like because I've been I've worked in construction I've worked as a ranch and I've been in the horse world like so much stuff is very much male-dominated and yes I grew up in a family where they were like no we, we're you do you kind of thing yeah that's um, awesome which was cool and my mom definitely instilled in me the yeah, you're a woman, and that's fucking awesome. Like, you have a lot of power, and you can you can do this, and you can do these different things. And so, and she, I don't know, my mom's a tough lady. Typical redhead. Typical redhead. <laughs> Your mom has red hair? Oh, yeah. I guess. And I think when she gets, like, really passionate about something, her eyes get greener, and her hair gets redder. Okay. I swear, like. <laughs> okay. But, it's like her ginger glow? Yeah, it's something. She's. I love her to death. She's just a tense woman. But she's, and she's also, like, I mean, she decided, I don't know when, but she decided to start teaching herself to sew, and now she has a sewing business. And, oh, like, really? And, following. Yeah, it's incredible. She makes all that, like, I go down to her lair, we call it. Her it's lair. Her, <laughs> it's her sewing. It's, it's the whole basement now. It used to be just, like, a machine and some projects, and now it's the whole basement. It's hers. That's awesome. And, yeah, so she just, I don't know, and she's a person who... She will advocate like crazy for people. Like when I was in high school, I I was obviously struggling. I was having seizures all the time. And I was just all this stuff. And my parents were so different. I look at them and I'm like, you guys are married? <laughs> you guys are married for that long? <laughs> what? But my dad was like this really compassionate, really giving, benefit of the doubt type person. And kind of socially awkward sometimes. And loved bad dad jokes and hilarious and always willing to to take in somebody which was huge for me just a, just a compassionate man and my mom was like this crazy advocate like I don't mean crazy like crazy crazy she was like gonna fight for the one she loves yeah and she's gonna do she's the a research. fanatic for you yeah she's gonna do the research and she's gonna figure it out and she's gonna get it done and so I had like this weird balance between my parents which was pretty cool and they I don't know I think people are generally doing the best that they can and it might I don't know if, it, if they're doing the best that they can then I think that that's perfectly acceptable yeah you know you're you're right if they're doing the best that they can that's the best they're gonna be and that's okay yeah you know you can choose to have that person in your life or or not but really if you, it's up to you yeah um you know you, you were talking about your dad and like when I was probably like 15 I did a beer run at holiday and you're like the clerk caught me and the cop showed up and your dad came down he's like why are you trying to steal a beer from me and I'm like I don't I don't know like yeah I just had surgery on my rotator cuff so I was doped up on pills and like don't steal beer seemed like a great idea <laughs> anyway so your dad was like uh just pay for the case and like get out of here like didn't press charges on me like he could have he could have, yeah. but he didn't. And then, like, he told me I wasn't allowed on holiday. And I, like, for years, I was afraid of going to holiday. <laughs> and then, like, 
you became closer in my life yeah. and like then I saw him more I'm like oh my god like <laughs> this guy like jeez like and then we started working together and I was oh, like oh at Pizza Hut yeah. I forgot about that <laughs> yeah I was like oh my gosh like what like so embarrassed like I want to hide from this guy like and I was like fuck I, I gotta make an amends to him because I was in you know started being in recovery because I mm. went to treatment for heroin and whatever and like I made amends to him and he, was like yeah man all is forgiven like I don't even think you remembered he probably didn't to be honest and he was like all is forgiven <laughs> like you're good man like just keep doing you and I'm like holy shit like I was like trying to like avoiding this mm-hmm. super nice man for yeah. years well and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then like when you actually make that stuff you're like oh shit that wasn't that bad like, yeah we make things a lot worse in our heads than yeah. they actually are. Yeah. Like, jeez. It was just like, and then seeing, you know, your dad always had a smile on his face. Yeah. He was always super nice and just rocking and, like, I, I really admired him. He's a cool dude. Yeah. So, <clears throat> what was, like, a pivotal uh, spot in your, like, career as a social worker for you? Besides when Judge Reynolds asked, like, for your opinion. Uh, when I was an intern... Like, it, like, clears day. Two, I suppose. I had two clients, one in particular, who was severely mentally ill and just wicked smart. And just, he, unfortunately, was not necessarily safe for himself or for those around him sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really shocked at the way he was treated through the justice system. Um, and that was, that case was um, kind of a pitiful moment. I don't need speech therapy. <laughs> the well, if you have listened to my podcast, I do that all the time. It says, Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds. But I, I was in court just to listen, basically. I was just there to observe, and Judge Reynolds was so patient and so incredible with him. And it was awesome. And this guy was so wicked smart. He was incredible and such an incredible artist. And um, It was really a privilege to be able to work with him. And... I never got to see the end of it because I, my internship finished and I was done at Carroll and I, I don't know, my time was in, my time yeah. was at the end kind yeah. of thing. And then, and there's another time I was um, working with a client who, I had just gotten on the case and um, he was in the hospital and stuff and I sat down and asked him like, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want? He was like, I, no one's ever asked me that before. It's like, well, that is our first mistake. Like, we're supposed to be in here advocating for people and trying to figure out ways to help them, but we're not asking them what they want. And this person was just, like, beside himself. Like, no one's ever asked that. Like, no one's ever considered that. I was like, man, we are not doing our best by... We're leaving the person out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Like we're just taking these statistics and these agendas and trying to shove it on our calendar, basically. Yeah. And it's not have the same diet for the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Exactly. Like, and I, I hate to go back to horses all the time. I don't actually, but <laughs> no. Every my whole world is horses. It's it's. Yeah. I'm lucky to have found my passion at such a young age, but. When you're training a horse, the same method's not going to work for every horse. Every horse is different, and so you can't have the same approach to, 
to every horse, and you can't have the same approach to every person either. And that was that guy saying, I've, you know, I've never been asked that before. Holy shit. What are we doing here? Because we are not doing it right. So I tried to, as much as I could, I tried to carry that through. Like when I would get new clients in at the wife, like, what do you want out of life? Where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to stay in Helena? Do you want to, like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a mom? Do you want to do these things? It's okay if you don't, because what do you want? And a lot of people are like, I mean, a lot of people in general don't know what they want. Yeah. So that's definitely a loaded question, and there were quite a few women who were like, I have no idea, which is fine. Yeah. So then our first thing is to figure out, well, what do you want? We'll, we'll start there. And it's, it's, I'm sure, like, going through different careers and jobs and, figuring stuff out like it's just it's okay to jump around a little bit i think and it's kind of fun it is it well i mean it's kind of a pain in the ass but it's also like i don't know like i've had a lot of different jobs and they've they're all like my resume is so weird like bartending and waitressing and working construction and having an office job and being like all these different weird jobs, mm-hmm. but it's also like trying to figure out what I want out of life, because like that guy that had had said I don't you know no one's ever asked me that. It's like I don't think I've ever asked myself that either. Like I don't think I've ever asked myself that, and I'm certainly not asking my clients that, and I should be. Yeah. And so it was definitely like whoa. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I like that. Like. You're going into like massage therapy. Like, what is that going to do for you? Hopefully, it's going to fill my cup and just I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to like. I know that I want to be able to travel and do horses. By travel, I mean go to shows and yeah, shoots and totally, stuff. Totally. <laughs> but and I want to be able to make my garden, like selling plants and produce legally this year, not illegally last year necessarily. Just like. I couldn't accept money because I'm not farm necessarily. Gotcha. So I'm working on all the USDA stuff. Okay. Um, and so being like creating this income and this job where I can still cater to these other things that I want to do, um, and create this life that I really want. Like I don't want to have a job where I'm only thinking about a vacation. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, I no way. Life is too freaking short. It is. I've seen way too much death to to realize, like, to work shit jobs that I don't want to do or that I don't enjoy. And, like, with the why, that was a big decision to leave because I think I hit a point, I got triggered pretty hard um, in October and was just like, you know what? I need to deal with some of my stuff. And I, I also got pretty burned out, too. And there's there's a point when you become less helpful i guess you're just you can't bring your best foot forward yeah what the clients deserve yeah and so i was like i want to get out now rather than my clients suffering mm-hmm. and so it was it was a tough decision it was really hard to leave i i really care deeply about the women that i worked with and i it was such a privilege to be able to see all this cool stuff but it also was really tough it's tough work and I also love my coworkers too. I just got a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But it was yeah, it was a big decision. Yeah, the the clients that uh, 
we have a mutual relationship between them. They always talk highly of you and like. Well, that's good. She's awesome. (laughs) I don't think all of them do. (laughs) Well, the ones that I know, they're just like even before like they knew the relationship, Uh they're um, they're just like yeah, I know, like she's so awesome, blah blah. blah. I'm like, oh well, I know through her, I know her through so and so. Mm -hmm. They're just like. Well, that just that's awesome. I'm glad. Like I always like trying like get through life and especially going to work and stuff like. All right, I need to bring like yeah, I have my own stuff going on, but that's my stuff is not their problem. Mm-hmm. I'm here to support them, and it's about them right now. Yeah. And it was it was tough some days. There were days where like like this fall going through some changes. It was I would go to work and I would get we did this really cool thing um, every morning. We'd sit down and we would talk about what we're grateful for and what our intentions are, and that that's been a really big. Um, shift that I kind of went through this summer I read the gosh it's called a thousand gifts um, okay. incredible book oh my gosh um where in this it's just about gratitude and just finding gratitude like for the big things yeah I mean like I'm alive today and I'm breathing and I can walk and I can there's all these wonderful things but also like I'm really grateful that my cat's in on my lap right and like Rhoda's passed out on the dog bed and <laughs> Like, just smaller things, mm-hmm. and just finding constant gratitude, and finding gratitude for kind of some of the shitty things. Like, I, while the seizures suck, if I wouldn't have started having seizures in high school, I would not have faced my drama, I would not have faced my demons, like, none of that would have happened, and I would have just continued to live this miserable, unhealthy life. So, like, I do have, a, I mean, I have a lot of frustration, and it's okay to be frustrated and angry and have those negative feelings because I don't think we talk about them enough and then you see all these people out there that like have this really great life and but they're also not talking about the bad stuff and then when you have those bad feelings you're like oh this is not normal I shouldn't feel like this but finding great like gratitude for those things and like having that morning practice every day at work to start the day like what am I grateful for today and what are my intentions today like my intention is going to Today is going to be to, I don't know, be open-minded or to be grateful for the rest of the day. Yeah. Or to go for a walk, to do some self-care and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And the women, like, I think sometimes they were just like, oh my God, we're doing this again. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Which is fun. Yeah. yeah. I also showed up to work with a lot of coffee, so I'm sure that... (laughs) Like, I've had four shots of espresso. Let's go. Let's do some (laughs) push-ups. And they're just probably getting out of bed. Yeah, they're just like, <laughs> this girl is way too much. <laughs> she has too much energy. Oh. <laughs> but there were definitely days when I need to show up to work this fall and I would get through the gratitude circle without crying, which is good. That was yeah. definitely a triumph for me. And then I would go home for the rest of the day. I was done. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be, like, I could not keep myself together. And so I needed to take, like, that space for myself and to say, I need to check out and take care of myself for a minute. Yeah. And I made it through gratitude circle, and that was a big help too. Like, to a, it got me out of bed, and it got me out of the house, and it made me sit back and go, okay, what am I grateful for today? Because all I want to do is like scream. Yeah. There's all these changes going on, and I'm hurting, and this sucks, and there's all of these things that just are not fun. But what am I grateful for today? And that was that was always really cool. But I'm sure the women were just like. She is not right today. <laughs> there were there were a couple of times when the women were like, "Are you okay?" Like, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Well, hey, we're not always perfect. No, we don't know? have to be. And, that, like, you showing that side that you might not be okay to those women might have been relieving to them. Yeah. Like, Well, and I think it's, especially with the seizures and stuff, like, there was a time, I was, like, nine months seizure-free. I was in a drug trial, and this truss sucked. I'm not, like, every time we'd titrate up, the skin on my face would get raw. It was horrible. But I was seizure-free. There you go. And then, I mean, it worked for a while and stuff, but... Like, I caught myself, especially on social media, like, I post all these really cool adventures, and life is awesome, and it's not like that. Like, yeah, there are really cool adventures and all this really cool stuff, but I posted stuff where it's been, like, there was one that was kind of, um, not a turning point, but it was a big deal in my head, because I, I had posted this picture on, like, Snapchat or something, because I was having a bomb hair day. There you go. And I had just, like, I would gotten full-time in my new position at the Y, and I had an office, and I was so proud of myself, and everything was going good, and I was in school part-time, and then I showed up to class, and I had a freaking seizure, and it was the week before finals week. I had a skid mark on my forehead. I got carted off of the emergency room. I got my driver's license revoked, and then I read a Spartan race and was horrible at it because I just had a seizure, and it was not, like, I was so frustrated. I was in the emergency room, like, and part of it was the, one of the EMTs, like they wouldn't, they w don't release me unless I have, typically, they don't release me unless there's someone to release me to. And I wasn't oriented enough for them to just release me and I couldn't remember any phone numbers and I didn't have my dog tags with me and it was just this giant mess and it sucked. And so I posted this thing on social media and I, Put the, I juxtaposed the two pictures like this was at 2.30 and this was at 3.45 <laughs> like great hair day skid mark on my face and it it screwed my finals because my brain was I was so yeah. rattled and yeah. I was definitely a little concussed and I was emotional and it was just but I posted that just like hey seizures suck like I'm not looking I'm never looking for sympathy but also Seizures suck, and they're exhausting, and they're painful, and they're expensive, and they're embarrassing, and it's totally fine to have all of those feelings, because we're isolating ourselves by not talking about the crappy parts. Exactly, yeah. Like, we're so just, life is great, and then you're alone in your house eating chicken over your sink by, like, going, why am I so depressed? No one else is like this. Like, I must, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. When in reality, there's nothing wrong with you. You exactly. might just need, I don't know, to see a therapist or to go for a walk or do something. Yeah, and you know, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for years. And like, I was, I was always so against taking medication that was prescribed to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I would take fucking Oxycontin and like no other, but taking a pill that might actually help me. And I'm not saying that like, if you're depressed, go get on medication by any means. Because for me, like, I think I put so much dopamine in my brain, the neurons are all fucked up. So yeah. now I have to have a, something to s make him stable. And mm -hmm. That's okay, but it took forever for me to, like, realize that. And my roommate at the time uh, was a nurse, and he, like, explained that to me in a better way of what I just said. And I was like, holy shit, that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. okay, and now, like, and I was always against seeing a therapist, and people always suggested it, and people always suggested do something about this and about that, but I was just like... If I'm not, you know, sticking a needle in my arm today, then I'll be okay. But really, inside, I was just fucking dying. Yeah. And it's 
scary to be there too. When you get in those really dark holes, like logically you're like, I don't want to kill myself. But then you get in those really dark holes and you might not want to end your life, but you want to end the pain that you're feeling. Yes. And you want to you get rid of that because that's a horrible place to be. And yeah. then everything starts to get irrational from there. But when you're in the moment, it is not, it's not irrational. It's not like a cheap way out or anything. It's, it's scary as hell to be there. Yeah. And so many people get to that place and they're so, they, they're so alone. And like there's all this stigma and shit out there too. Like, unfortunately for some people, I am uh, way too much of an open book sometimes. <laughs> but, yeah. like, here's my life story. <laughs> Guy I just met. Yes. I <laughs> can relate to that so much. Uh, my mentor called, like, he got it from somewhere about floodlighting people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean by floodlighting? Like, well, you know, you get pulled over and that cop has that light right in your face. And I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Like, on my first date or when I first meet someone, I don't have to tell you that I'm a fucking heroin addict. Yeah. Or a recovering alcoholic or I'm depressed and codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, because it usually, like, scares people away. Like, they have to earn that trust. But also, like, I want to, like, eliminate the stigma, like, of mm-hmm. the negative side of alcoholic, the negative side of depression. Like, especially everyone is just, god damn it, they always get offended. Yeah. Like, but, like, I think... Well, now I just lost my train of thought. No. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, like, it's okay that you don't like me, and it's okay that I don't like you. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously like you, you know, but that's not... Anyways. Uh, but uh, just because you like purple and I don't, or vice versa, like, that's yeah. okay. Like, you don't have to, like, ruin your life about it. Yeah. Just that, that, that healthy conversation, the conflict, mm-hmm. and I am going way left field on where I was going with well, that, I think, but... Like, we really isolate ourselves, and we isolate other people. Like, it's okay. I've had to kind of learn a balance as far as, like, I have a really hard time trusting people, and you nailed it on the head. Like, it's okay for people to earn your trust. Like, there's a, there's a balance there. And trying to figure out where that is is probably different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, the therapist that I used to work with at the Y, Erin, who I adore, um, she was always preaching. It's you know people can earn your trust. It's okay for people to earn your trust. With that though, that's a two-way street too. You have to let them earn your trust. Yes. You have to be open to that. And like for me, I was like, nope, nope. People, nope. People are not good. Yeah. People are not predictable. I was like, I only like animals because they're honest. And they're, like, you can't lie to a horse. You yeah. try. <laughs> and they look at you like you're an idiot. <laughs> Which is great because then it's a little bit of a wake up. There you go. But it's, yeah, we're, we just isolate ourselves so much. And we isolate other people. And there's, like, in disagreeing on certain things, especially in the political environment, like, I remember, not to get super political, but feeling especially through this campaign and all of this stuff with dr ford this summer with that stuff going on with dr ford i was going through some similar stuff and it was horrible because we're making all these accusations and saying all these things about dr ford and what's his buckets the other guy i wish i i can't remember anyway um like when we get up and say oh my gosh 
you know, you come forward and you're going to ruin this person's life and you're a whore and stuff, but then you're going through, like, there's all these other women that are going through this similar, very similar things. And when people are like, oh, well, I support victims, it's like, well, that dialogue is not supporting anyone. And you don't know, there are so many people out there, everyone's got a story and you don't know what it is. Yes. And it was, it was definitely tough to kind of come to terms with, okay, so I disagree with this person politically, but is my disagreement with them politically or is it with their kind of view on life? Like, are they denying some of my core beliefs? Are they denying some of my core, like, values values and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think there's a line as far as disagreeing with people. Like, if I'm going to disagree with someone, fine. That's great. I want to have a conversation about it. I want to learn about it. Like, yeah. If I, if you don't, like, if my mind is not changed, at least my opinion is strengthened, maybe. Yeah. And, like, maybe my view of that is strengthened, but if there's an opinion that this person doesn't, doesn't deserve these rights or this lifestyle or anything like that, then I kind of tend to draw the line a little bit. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I want that in my life all the time. Like, it's important to see what's out there and to consider all these different views and beliefs and stuff but when it turns into denying somebody's right to live basically I think yeah there's yeah there's definitely I really struggle with that because but then I struggle with okay so this person has this belief well what like how do I look at that person now is that gonna change yeah am I gonna be a dick towards that person or like that population that that person represents yeah because that's not fair either then I'm just doing the same damn thing. It's... It's a constant it, internal struggle. I... I know you mean, like, you really like that person, and then I find out that they like the color red. Yeah. And I'm like, well, fuck you, you're the enemy now. Yeah, like... But, like... It's hard. Yeah. And it's hard when you... When there's someone that you really look up to, or that you really just think the world of, and then you find out, oh, you believe that? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have to process this. Right? We, I don't know that we give ourselves enough time to process those things. No. I think we... You're bad. Gone. See ya. Yeah, just Bye. pull back. Oh my gosh. Like it's... We're not really... Excuse me. Taking in the whole person. Yeah. So I... Uh, you know, I, I wanted to thank you for your time. Yeah. And, it, you know, is there anything that like I can help you with on your mission or anything like that? Oh my gosh. Um... I don't know, just keep talking to people. I think, I mean, I think it's really important to talk to people and to, like, record and, like, share different stories and different viewpoints and, like, like, for me, I'm a huge advocate for mental health and, like, if you're struggling, there are so many ways that, there are so many different forms of help and it's, there's, to try and kind of face, not face, but try and beat that stigma and stuff, I think it's so important. And it's like it's okay to not be okay, mm-hmm. but you also have to dig yourself out of that hole too. You can't stay there either. You yeah. gotta you gotta make that choice. Yes. But sometimes that choice is not necessarily like you might need some antidepressants or you might need to see a therapist or whatever whatever it be. But I think interviewing people and like talking to people and just like keep doing it good. It's good shit. <laughs> I'm glad I can say shit on this too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was all worried about that, like, oh, I have to watch my language. Yeah, no, I am, like, 
I don't want like I might do some editing like later on the road, but I, I want it to be like the real conversation. Yeah, like, just a genuine. Yeah, I don't. And if I edit something out, like what if I edit out their message? Mm-hmm. And I just because I don't hear, but I. Yeah. Like, from what they could be trying to say, like I, I don't hear, but somebody else might. So, and if I don't like want a script and all that stuff because like it, being yeah. prepared, like I don't want like the guy upstairs talks about or tells me how I'm running my life or whatever you. Mm-hmm. Thing you believe in, like if I come in there and I turn on the show, then it takes a left turn. Then like, how am I gonna direct that? So, anyways, um, do you have like any like goals to of like or habits of success that you do for success in the morning or in the, um, at night or during the day or like, do you have anything that you like live by? Gratitude is huge. Like, if anyone wants a good book to read. Thousand Gifts is incredible. Okay. Um, it just, it was, I don't know, gratitude is a huge thing for me, and it's something that I wake up every morning and think about, what am I grateful for today? Like, and kind of throughout the day, too, I started, I keep a list of things that I'm grateful for, and it might just be like, I don't know, sitting in class, and my coffee is really good today. Like, this is awesome coffee. Yeah. Or it could be like, holy smokes, I just drove through that snowstorm, and I'm still alive, this is great. Right. Like, gratitude can, is such a mindset changer. I don't know if that's a word. But anyway. Just, it can be today. It is now. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> just, I don't know, gratitude is a huge thing in my life. Um, it's been a, it's changed everything for me. Um, especially with all of my stuff, my baggage and stuff. But it's it's huge. And I think staying positive but like giving yourself a break to not be okay that was a big learning curve for me and now I can say all right I'm gonna I'm gonna take the afternoon and just some self-care and like be okay with that like I don't need to be grinding 24 7 like it, you don't have to that self-care is huge mm-hmm. and I that's something that I definitely lacked when I first started working yeah. and stuff, especially working and in college and all of this stuff, like there was yeah. no self care. I was focused on everyone else but myself. Yeah. And that it now that I have like a self care routine and which part of my self care routine too is gratitude. Mhm. And it's like being grateful for the good stuff, but also the goddamn I locked myself out of my house again. Which I'm really good at. Yeah. All my friends too. They all know. Oh, Liz went to PT today. She's gonna lock herself out of something. Uh, <laughs> in last month, I locked myself out of my car like four times within like. Two I'm on days. a first name basis with uh, Burdicks. I I have a key on my truck now, <laughs> and I tried to like. I remember there was one day. It was it was the anniversary of my dad passing. Actually, I went to PT. I had a horrible headache from PT because I do a bunch of eye stuff, and it's great, but it sucks like I know I have to do it yeah and I went to I ran went and ran an errand and locked myself out of my truck I was like god damn it this whole day sucks what the hell and then my friend Jamie showed up because she was she drove me to my house to yeah. spare and yeah. I was like I gotta see Jamie today this is great just that like tiny mindset change right. like when I'm in PT and feeling why do I keep falling over or why do I like but I'll fall over and make a joke about it and I'm like alright Grounds clean over here. There you go. Just pick just yourself down up. Down your shoes. There you go. Just trying to stay positive. Yeah, most definitely. Not 
irrationally positive. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, do you have any last words you want to share to the world? Sorry for saying shit. <laughs> Are you, though? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just keep on keeping on. Well, well thank Get you. Get back in the saddle. Yeah. Getting back in the saddle? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? I like yeah. it. I like it. Right on. Well, thank you again, Liz. I, I appreciate it. Me. I'm not like if you want to keep going. I don't want to cut you short. No, you're good. You're good. I can talk all day, so you're fine. <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, thank you.